Good evening, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. If you'll stand with us, we'll get started.
Okay. About 2,000 years ago, in the town of Nazareth, there lived a young woman named Mary. She was engaged to be married to Joseph, a carpenter. Gabriel said, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his name, Jesus. Soon after the angel's visit, Mary and Joseph were married. When Mary was due to have her baby, they were told they had to go on a long journey to Bethlehem, which was where Joseph's family came from. This was because they had to pay a special tax. Joseph walked and Mary rode a donkey for a few days over the hills of, Nazar of Galilee. At last, Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem. It was crowded with other people who needed to pay their taxes. Mary was very tired and needed a place to stay. At each inn, the story was the same. There was no room for them. Eventually, one Eventually, one kind innkeeper said he had a stable where he kept his animals. They were welcome to stay there. And so it was that a few hours later, Mary gave birth to her son in that stable. She wrapped Jesus in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger full of hay. At the same time, on a hillside overlooking Bethlehem, some shepherds were watching over their sheep. A bright light appeared in the sky. It was the angel of the Lord. Gabriel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in Bethlehem, a savior who is Messiah. This is what you are to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. The shepherds wanted to see the baby. When they arrived, they saw Jesus lying in a manger. They knelt down and worshipped him. They told them Mary and Joseph how the angel had appeared in the sky and told them that Jesus was the savior of the world. The wise men then set off to find the baby Jesus. They were guided by the star of the stable in Bethlehem. They gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
They were here. They knelt down and worshipped him. Oh, come, let us adore 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 him. Moms and dads, your shepherds and angels and wise men and other folks are coming back to sit with you. There's a red bin in the back of the sanctuary for their costumes after the service. Thank you.
Charlotte, that was beautiful. Thank you to our entire worship team here tonight. Um, happy Christmas, everyone. Welcome to Genesis. We are so glad that you're here with us tonight to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Um, my name is Jerry. I have a few announcements for you tonight. If you haven't noticed, it's quite cold out. Um, and this winter, our church, along with many other churches, get to host one of our most vulnerable populations here. Um, and the signups for that start tonight. I don't know if you noticed on your way in, in the lobby, there's a bunch of boards with signups for the warming center. There are QR codes for easy, quick access to the link to sign up. This is an all hands on deck ministry to help the most vulnerable among us. Um, and signups will happen over the entire month of January, but today you can choose your prime spots and opportunities for that. Tonight's offering actually goes toward funding the warming center, and there is a, a brown box in the back, uh, that you, and you can also give online for that. Thank you to everyone who has continued to give throughout the year. If you're planning to make a uh, year-end gift, please have it transferred or postmarked by 1231. And lastly, if you're, uh, please join us on New Year's Day for worship. There, there's no service tomorrow. Merry Christmas, everyone. Love divine, star and angels give the sign. Now to be born, bend at the Savior of humanity. Unto us a child is born. Shall rain for 
God, the Holy Spirit, who groans with us, thank you that you do not leave us unsupported. Help us to know we're not alone. Be with us when we have no words to pray, no strength to endure, and no one by our side. Take up that weight we carry. Fill us with the knowledge of your presence and be the best friend at our side, we pray. Dear Lord, be with us in the waiting. Lord Jesus Christ, may we know you afresh in our lives, celebrate your first coming, and long for your return. In our uncertainty, may we remember that we already know the end of the story, and the ending is good. Breathe hope in our hearts and strength to our bones. Dear Lord, be with us in the waiting. Loving heavenly parent, father and mother of all, you have been waiting since the beginning of time, Help us in the uncertainty, the doubt, despair, and frustration. Be at our side as we walk upon invisible paths and write upon our hearts that you are for us, not against us, and that nothing can separate us from your love. Dear Lord, be with us in the waiting. We look to the beginning at the perfect world you created. We look to the middle where you entered our world with us as dust. We look to the end, where you will restore all things. Lord Jesus, as we wander through our lives, won't you please turn our heads to the beginning and end and embrace us, honor us, sustain us as we live in the in-between. Lord Jesus, who waited for centuries in the light of heaven, nine months in the warm darkness of a womb, and three days in a tomb, be with us in the waiting, we pray. Amen. Good evening, everyone, and uh, Merry Christmas. 
I just wanted to say before I read uh, this poem that um, for much of my life, I did not believe. And um, it wasn't until um, something big happened in my life and uh, God got my attention that I was able to believe. And um, I certainly didn't know that I could write poetry. And hopefully you'll agree that I can write a little bit of poetry. And um, I wanted to share this with you tonight. And, and Bo had asked me to do this, so thanks. The ultimate revolution, ruled by those with their own interests at heart, longing for someone to provide them a fresh start, to gather a powerful army and force the oppressors from their lands and return what they believe was theirs into their outstretched hands. But this king on which they were waiting had a much different way of relating. And the battle that he was fighting was so much bigger than the one they were inviting. You see, the king's father was the creator and designer of everything that they knew. And the enemy he was fighting was the very opposite of true. To overcome this enemy required a different way of engaging, a face-to-face -face encounter that was the very opposite of raging. Sending in his armies was definitely not his way. Rather, he sent in his only son on whose shoulders all sin would lay. He did not come in riding on a stallion or as a general leading a battalion. <clears throat> Instead, he came in as the most gentle of beings, as a baby in a manger they surely wouldn't be seeking. But seek him they did, always one step behind, as his father's plans would not be undermined. His father wanted much more than to save a tiny nation. The uprising he would lead would impact all civilization and not only nations and large groups of people, but each individual, even the most feeble. When he started recruiting his team, they weren't exactly the cream. They included a fisherman, a tax collector, a zealot and others, ordinary people who called themselves sisters and brothers. He did not train them to fight hand to hand. Rather like children, he trained them how to withstand to stand up to the evil that had entered their land, not with violence or cunning, but something much, much more grand. You see, his way of resisting made his oppressors look weak because abusing those who are innocent makes people shriek. So much more than his teaching, it was the example he set, willing to die on a cross so that none would forget. His followers, they scattered, and their hearts were shattered. The, the oppressors, they gloated, and their hearts corroded, until a few days later, when everything changed, the king had risen, and his followers' grief was exchanged. They saw him alive, even though he had died, as did hundreds of others, it couldn't be denied. The revolution had begun, but certainly not by force, as the way had been opened to chart a different course. He had ushered in a kingdom that called for a revolution deep inside, an overthrow of that part of them in which they held their pride. 
His followers, they were willing to die for their belief rather than renounce his name and receive immediate relief. And some were tortured, uh, some were thrown to the lions, some were burned alive, and some were tortured horrifically, knowing they wouldn't survive. You guys can probably read this, and I am trying to find my place. Sorry. <laughs> okay, Jacqueline, I'll find it. <laughs> All right. His followers, they were willing to die for their belief rather than renounce his name and receive immediate relief. Some were thrown to the lions, some were burned alive, and some were tortured horrifically, knowing they wouldn't survive. Yet the gift that he gave, it didn't stop at the grave. It enabled them to move and to face their fear, knowing that he loved them. They could all, always persevere to do what was right, no matter how long the fight, for children that were homeless or the poor that were hopeless, for the ones in prison or the ones that were stricken, for the ones that were dying or, the, or those that were in hiding. Their king sustained them and did not condemn since the kingdom was not ruled by fear, his love is what filled them and wouldn't let them despair. You see, this king and his revolution are actually real, and his impact you certainly not, cannot conceal, because there are millions of millions that call him their Lord every day and say it's because of him that they've turned to a different way. His name, it shows up in all kinds of places, online, in a movie, a poem, or sacred spaces. Even most calendars that we use to track time are based upon his birth. Surely isn't that divine? The revolution that he started more than 2,000 years ago, while so many have tried to crush it, it continues to grow. It's sad when his message of peace is distorted, when loving him, yourself, and others is clearly recorded. If it's the truth you are seeking, keep on reading because the revolution that he started to, is deep within your heart and the things that we all long for are things only he can impart. So if you are truly angry about the injustices you see, violence isn't the answer. Withstanding will set you free, both from the chains that bind your own heart and the evil breaking our nation apart because we were created to be free not to do anything we decree, but to submit to a higher power and to know that we shouldn't cower because doing anything you want to do is surely not okay. There are certainly laws outside of ourselves that show us a better way. So as we all come together to celebrate at this time of year, let's remember the revolutionary Jesus who came so near. The Virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Merry Christmas Eve. It is great to be with you tonight. We're celebrating what we call the Nativity. And the Nativity just means birth. But when the Nativity is with the capital N, it means the birth of Jesus. 
And that's the story that we're celebrating at this season. How many of you have a manger kind of a thing at home that's small that you put out at Christmas? Who ha- anybody have a manger? What kind of things are around your manger or with it? You have animals with it? What kind of animals? You have some sheep. Anybody else? What do you have in your manger scene? A cat? There's a donkey in their manger scene. I see a hand over there, young man. What do you have in your manger scene? Donkeys? Yeah. Anything else? Birds, camels. How about any humans? Yes. You have who? Sheep? Nice. But right, we know the things there. Does anybody have a Joseph character or a Mary? How about the wise men? The story that we heard. Does anyone have a dragon? When we, who doesn't have? You have a dragon? Good. When nobody has a dragon, but... But Crosby or Caden? Caden is the only one who has a dragon? Well, okay. The first nativity story, supposedly, in Revelation chapter 12, speaks about a, like a four-headed red dragon who's at the birth of Jesus. Interesting, huh? Here we have it. This is in Revelation 12. Now, again, this is weird. This is apocalyptic Christmas. And this is crazy stuff, and some people maybe don't even think it's talking about Jesus, but many do. So let me just read this. Then I witnessed in heaven an event with great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun and the moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and seven crowns on his heads. And his tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky. And he threw them to the earth. And he stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God in his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. This is kind of crazy. But some would say, you see the pictures of a dragon present at the birth. Now, with this, I don't know that this, these are, this is imagery. But the story of Jesus' birth is more chaos than calm. It is more troubling than cozy. And so because of that, just to remind ourselves of that and the significance of this, would anyone like to have a dragon at their nativity scene? Because I think you need one. Yeah, come up here and get a dragon, please. I have 64 of them. Now, I, didn't, I couldn't find seven-headed ones. But if you get this dragon, you got to put it with your nativity. And just take one if you can. 
red one. And so if you can, place your dragon in your nativity scene just as a reminder. Ken's poem was about something bigger that was going on. And when John wrote this in Revelation, did you get the one you wanted? Oh, you got one for Jericho? Oh, that one has like seven heads too. Perfect. There's the significance of something more going on in this story. No adults want a dragon? I know Mike does, yeah. Oh, Jerry, thank you. I think the dragon is fitting for this story. But this story of the nativity, I think the dragon is fitting. It's not so pretty. It's not so nice. We sung the song. I don't know if any of you guys choked a little bit when we were singing away in a major and the cow wakes up Jesus and he doesn't cry. Ah, come on now. You know. Oh, wow. We're, we've gone through the dragons. There's only three left. Oh, a couple of them fell to the ground. Perfect. Ben, here's a dragon for you if you need to. Amazing. Wow, we went through dragons. That was phenomenal. Now, let me just take a minute and look at the same story that we read. And let's just picture the chaos at the moment a little bit more. Um, as a moment, because I think it, it gives a lot of us some hope. And so in Luke chapter 2, in this account of Jesus is being born, it says that there was a leader, an emperor, who demanded all the people needed to be counted. They said they want to pay a tax. Now this leader was demanding it. This leader was showing, now when I say you have to run, you run. And when I say jump, you jump. He was a tyrant. He wanted to be a god himself. And when he forced the count, that's what it was. Whatever the season, whatever the time, just to let everyone know, I have the power. I'm in control. And I call the shots. That's what Jesus was born into. So Luke 2, at the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Cornarius was the governor of Syria. And all returned to their ancestral home to register for the census. Everyone was forced to go there. And because Joseph was ascended to King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he took Mary with him. And they traveled there from the village of Nazareth to Galilee and took Mary with them to whom he was engaged and he was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time the baby was to be born, she gave birth to her firstborn son. So she was really pregnant on this journey. And as she is there, she gives birth. And it says here in verse 7, she gave birth to a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, that, this idea of lodging, we think there's like inns, and maybe there was, but that word is also means guest house. This is where Joseph was from. 
This is where his family was. And he's bringing his pregnant wife to have a baby and no one has room for her? Isn't that a little bit shocking? There's more going on. And because of their quick engagement, because Mary was found pregnant, because the angel of the Lord came upon her. And when Mary shows up, with her stomach and the baby coming, everyone in that town they lived in knew that something improper had taken place. And so when Joseph and Mary show up to Joseph's own people, they don't even let her in. They don't welcome them. And as we know on this night, the king who created the world was born. And yet, no rulers were given birth announcements. No other kings or dignitaries showed up. But it was the lowly shepherds who the angels came to. And Jesus himself was the good shepherd. It was almost like in that vocation, the angels were saying, we have to tell someone. And it says, the angel of the Lord comes. And any other time the angel of the Lord comes, it's, much, it's pretty significant. Now, When many of us see the angel of the Lord, we think the guy who leads the choir, right? He's going to lead the singing group. But the angel of the Lord was the captain of God's army. And when they showed the place, his people were afraid. So the captain of the army pops out and tells them, oh, a king is born. And tells the shepherds for the only people they were going to tell. And they tell them that they'll see this sign that the Messiah, the one who's going to come and free people from sin, death, and Satan, is laying in a feeding trough, cold, maybe shivering, and wrapped in cloths, and you'll find him there. This story is not cozy. Is filled with chaos and discomfort and poorness and poverty. So what are we supposed to do with this picture of a weak, suffering shepherd child? Well, I think it's good news for us because the king of glory, Jesus, didn't just come to the lowly. He came as the lowly. And he entered the world at the bottom to save those at the bottom. He comes to come under us all, to the ones who have sunk and fallen and found themselves at the lowest places that Jesus would come under them and raise them with dignity and hope and honor and care. This little scene means that God has come to the least and the lowest as the least and the lowest. He came to be with us more deeply than we can understand. The God who came to be with us in our own brokenness, in our own poverty, in our own uncertainties, in our own tragedies. In a way, in this story, there was a dragon there. And Jesus was spared from that dragon in that moment. But as we know, 30 years later, 
he is swallowed by the dragon and killed. Jesus himself uses this language that much like Jonah, who was swallowed by a whale, that Jesus will be swallowed as well. And then three days later, spit out. Jesus was swallowed by this dragon. But the love of God and the power of God was too great, and he overcame the dragon with inextinguishable light and love and put an end to sin, death, and Satan. This is what we celebrate, even in the moments as we feel low or broken or afraid. If our Christmas is not cozy, but mostly chaos, we remember the God who enters the chaos with us and says, I have you and I am with you. So tonight, as we light candles, to be reminded that light shines in the darkness, that this light also shines in our darkness today. And it will shine in the darkness of people that we know are hurting today, and that we love deeply and know they're hurting badly. That this light can shine for them and is for them. And so we light these candles as a sign of hope, it's a sign of God's love, and it's a sign of the one who has defeated the dragon with love. And so let me pray. So, Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who has come, that your light shines in the darkness, and the evil cannot overcome it. Your light is an inextinguishable light. And with that comes the light of all men and women. And so we're going to pass this light and sing together. And so I'm going to start to strip. I'm going to light a few and I invite you pass the light. If you want to get out of your seat and pass the light, you certainly can. So I invite you to pass some light to at least one other person. And as the light comes to you, feel free to stand and sing. The light of God, Jesus. The light of God, Jesus. Silent night.
Oh
May you raise your candles high. I love the picture of seeing people coming quick to grab the candle and spread it. We all need that hope of Jesus breaking in with the light and the love of God in every dark place. Go, Jesus, go into every shadowy place in us, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in any hurting place there might be. Jesus, may your love win out. Amen. So if you can, distinguish the candles uh, safely. (laughs) And it will be a bit dark for a second. We'll click on a light. And may you go in peace tonight, celebrating the birth of Jesus. Did you guys have another song? Are we done there? Go in peace. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Have a great holiday.